Merry Christmas Eve is a thing. Do you say that? Is that how you say say it on Christmas Eve? Happy Christmas Eve? We'll say Merry. Uh, Merry Christmas Eve to you. We are glad that you're here with us. What a great crowd. Oh, we even had to put some extra seats down in the back. That's always a good problem. So we're very excited that, uh, that you're here with us worshiping together. Uh, what a great morning of worship it's already been as we tell and celebrate this beautiful old story of Jesus being born into the world. And I want to thank Rhonda for doing a great job for uh, reading that to the kids this morning. What a special moment to have all these kiddos up here hearing the story of Jesus' birth. But that's not just for them, right? That's for all of us. Because that's the story we're here to, to tell and talk about. We're here for the story of Christmas, of Jesus coming into the world. And it's a crazy story. I don't know. I, I don't know how much time you spent with it, but if you look at the details that are given to us by Matthew and Luke and their gospels, there's some bonkers stuff that happens around the birth of Jesus. There's angel visits, angels talking to people. There's miracles that happen. There's a guy who doesn't talk for a while because he can't. I wonder what that's like, right? There's, there's, uh, there's people coming from afar when they see a star in the sky that tells them that a baby's been born. All these crazy things that are happening around the birth of Jesus. So crazy, in fact, that Luke, in the Gospel of Luke, when he tells us his version of the story, he tells us about uh, Mary, Jesus' mother. And there's this moment where Mary stops. It's right after the, the wise men have come to visit Jesus, and they go away, and it says that Mary just takes it all in. She sees and experiences all these things around Jesus and his birth, this son of hers. And with that, it, what, what Luke says is she cherishes it. She cherished it, and she pondered it in her heart. She pondered it. Um, I don't know why I find the word ponder funny. I've been saying it all, you know, last couple of weeks getting ready for today. And every time I say ponder, I just think that's a funny word. I, I don't know why. Um, it just kind of sounds funny. I'm going to wander over yonder and ponder. Um, you know, there's just some kind of, of feel to it. But I'm also very convinced that we don't ponder enough. We don't ponder the important things in life enough. We don't, don't stop to reflect and to think and to pray about and let these things, maybe a word that we use more often now, to process, 
to process the things that we're hearing and seeing and experiencing and let them become part of who we are and part of our story, right? We don't ponder enough. Uh, Last week, I was on social media. I was on my phone and I was uh, going through and I came across this quote that really stopped me in my tracks. And I thought, yeah, that quote is full of all kinds of spiritual wisdom. Like, like one of those, you know, you have those moments where something just hits you at the right time and you think, man, I needed to hear that. It's kind of a perspective changing kind of quote. And I want to share that quote with you this morning, uh, but I can't. I can't. Because right under that was another post. Um, It was a video of some kind. I don't know what the video was of. It was probably a guy throwing a watermelon off a tower or something. Whatever it was, it caught my attention. And so I watched the video. And then under that was another post, maybe some pictures that a friend of mine had, had put up. And under that, another post. And under that, another post. And 30 minutes later, I stopped and went, wait, what was that quote? That profound, life changing quote, what was it? And I went back looking and I couldn't find it anywhere. I couldn't remember enough of the words to even look it up. I didn't know who it it was from or who posted it. I couldn't remember any of it. 30 minutes later, this thing that I thought, oh, that's life-changing, I had completely forgotten. Why? Because I had spent zero time pondering it. Right? Zero time letting that become part of me. Taking it in, thinking about it, praying about it, making it part of my life. I spent zero time doing that. We've almost, in many ways, formed our lives in a way where it's impossible for us to slow down enough to actually stop and think. We move on to the next piece of information. We move on to the next distraction, and we don't spend time pondering. That's exactly what what Mary does. She ponders and she takes all this in. And you know what happens when she ponders? At one point, um, a song pops out. When, When she starts thinking about these things, art and poetry, we heard that song this morning from the McSpadden girls reading that as part of our, our communion today. What a beautiful thing that is. And so what I want to do today is I want us to take a, a page out of Mary's book and I want us to ponder. I want to ponder the story of Jesus being born. But in order to do that, we're going to use a tool given to us by one of the other gospel writers. Okay, the Gospel of John. So if you have your Bibles, open up to John chapter 1. Uh, Luke and Matthew give us a whole bunch of details about the, sto- the story of Jesus' birth. Mark skips it. Mark's not interested. John writes the weirdest version of the story you could possibly imagine. Because he doesn't tell a straightforward story of Jesus being born. There's no little baby. There's no shepherds and wise men. There's no, no, none of that. Instead, what John starts doing is he starts just throwing images at us. Right from the beginning, he just starts throwing in Im- images out. So it starts in John 1, verse 1, and he says, In the beginning, the Word already existed. 
the word was with God and the word was God. And we hear that and collectively we all say, wait, what? What? The word? What, what are you talking? Immediately, we're having to decode what John's saying, right? And what we find out later is when he says the word, he means Jesus. And so he's using this image of word for Jesus. Just like God spoke a word in creation and created light in the chaos and darkness. God is speaking a word in Jesus. He is the word of God. Now you could sit and ponder that idea for the rest of your life and keep coming up with stuff. That's a wild one. We're not gonna do that one today. But John's not done. He keeps throwing images. The whole, his whole book, he's gonna do this. He's, he throws out Jesus' uh, living water. Jesus is the bread of life. Jesus is a shepherd. Jesus is the gate for the sheep. He's the way, he's the truth, he's the life. He's just gonna keep throwing images out, hoping that one of them resonates with his readers. That one of those images helps us ponder what it means that Jesus has come into the world. But his favorite image is light. All right, so I want to read the, some more here in, in chapter one, and I want you to hear what he starts to say about light, okay? So verse two, he, Jesus, existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. Now John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. Okay. That's John's birth story, that sentence right there. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. That, that's the whole thing. Well, he does do a little bit more. In verse 14, he says, so the word became human and made his home among us. That's it. That's the story uh, that, of the birth that, that John puts together. Now, if you, if you skip down to verse 16, he says, from his abundance, we have all received one gracious blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses, but God's unfailing love and faithfulness came through Jesus Christ. Now hear this last part. No one has ever seen God. But the unique one, Jesus, who is himself God, is near to the Father's heart. He has, this is what light does, right? He has revealed God to us. So when John starts thinking about Jesus, one of these images that he uses is that Jesus is light. And in being light, he has revealed to us who God is. Have you really thought about that? Have you pondered that? The idea that in Jesus, we see what God is like. So everything Jesus does in his ministry and in his death and in his resurrection is a reflection of, what, of who God is and how he works in the world. Jesus is the light that reveals that to us. You could ponder that forever. 
What does it mean for Jesus to be light? So for the next few moments, I want to share with you a few of my ponderings, a few of my reflections on that idea. And maybe it sparks that in your own life. Maybe one of those things resonates with you. I love this image of light, just like John does. Because you can do a whole lot with it. Light is powerful. Now, uh, I'll tell you somebody who understood the power of light was the late great philosopher and painter Bob Ross. Does anybody know who Bob Ross is? Get some hands, right? Uh, Bob Ross, a TV personality on PBS and a a painter. He had a show that was uh, mellow, uh, to say the least, I think, uh, for many, many, many years. And I want to show you just a, a short clip from one of his shows that gives us an idea of the power of light in his painting. So let's watch this. Now, you know what we're gonna do? Maybe, tell you what, I got an idea. Got an idea. Maybe back here, let's just do this. Maybe there's a little cabin back here. See here? Watch how easy you can do this on these canvases. I just create about a basic shape, and that removes that excess paint. Okay, now we take a little brown, make the back edge. Like so, come straight down. Gives us a front. We'll just use that same blue white color. Put a little highlight on there. There, just a little highlight. Okay, little door. Gotta have a place to get around. Zoop. There, and that's. Super simple little cabin. Maybe there's, maybe there's a light on the window. Choop, little yellow, little cad yellow. Put a little window in there. Choop, little one over here. Bloop. Now there's somebody at home. Somebody's at home. Maybe they got dinner cooking. We don't know. Okay, a little bit of titanium white. Put a little snow on the roof. A little bit on the other side. And that just gives us a very simple little cabin way back here. I don't know why, I just feel calmer uh, <laughs> after watching that. I don't know. I don't know about you. I tried to grow my hair out in honor of that for the, but I ran out of time. Um, you see what he does with, with just three little strokes of his painting knife. He transforms this dark, empty cabin into something that has depth and warmth and the promise of presence, right? He says, ah, somebody's home. Somebody's home. For 400 years before the birth of Jesus, God's people had been waiting in the dark to see if God was gonna keep the promises that he'd made to the people long ago. The promises to send somebody that would save his people, a Messiah that would bring salvation. Is God gonna keep that promise? Is God even listening to us? Is God there? Is there anybody home? And 2,000 years ago, in this little town, God leaned in with his, his paint knife and with little strokes of light, He answered the question. 
He said, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to keep my promise. Yeah, there's somebody home. Now, I say little strokes of light. Because I think in the overall scheme of things, this, this happening, this baby being born, it just didn't make that big of a ripple, right? It, it was a pretty small event. Yes, I know. In Luke, we're told that the angels in heaven were, were singing and, and glorifying God. But what was being proclaimed in the heavens was almost being whispered on earth. Yeah, there are people who come to see the baby Jesus, but we're not told how many. And from what we can read, it seems like, I don't know, I, I would guess there are more people in the waiting room at my first daughter's birth than there, than there are. You know, it's a, it's a, in the grand scheme of things, it's a small moment in life, and yet that story has become something big, and that shouldn't surprise us. In fact, it reveals something about God. So often the work of God starts in small strokes of light. And often we can't even see them until we look back in hindsight. We say, oh, God was there all along. We just didn't see him working. That's how he works. And when the light starts to shine, you know, when, 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 when God leans in and he puts those strokes of light, it brings with it the, the, the promise of his presence. He's here. He's entered into the world. That's what the light represents. I don't know if John meant this. I was, this is something I've been reflecting on. My guess is in the ancient world, if you saw a light at night, you just assumed it was kind of attached to a person, Right? They didn't have electricity, they just left burning all the time, like a street lamp. If you saw it, it was either fire or an oil lamp. At the very least, it was a promise that there was a city there, right? There was somebody close. It meant that there was presence. There was somebody there. And that's what the light of Jesus represents. It's his presence with us. And I don't want us to miss how crazy that is. That's crazy. What that means is, the God who created everything chose to step into his creation, to step into the darkness with us, to, to step in and be with us in the hardest moments of our lives, that God's promise of his presence is there. That's, that's what the birth of Jesus is meant to tell us. That's one of the things. And when he shows up and he's present with us, he, he brings with him a power. You hear how John says it? John says, the light shined in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. Light has that power. It doesn't take much light to overcome darkness, right? And Jesus in his, his birth and his life and his death and his resurrection, his ministry, all throughout what we see is this light in his life that's building and it's meant to overcome the darkness that we all know is there. We know there's darkness in the world, right? But the promise of Jesus, the promise of the birth of Jesus and Christmas is that that darkness is not the last truth about our world. There is another truth, and it's the light of Jesus. Okay, that was, what, four minutes of uh, ponderings on this story. And I hope any of it resonated with any of you and that maybe you, you go and you ponder that this week and you ponder this story. Because I know that there are people in this room waiting on something big from God. Something you've been praying for. 
Maybe some clarity in a decision you have to make. Maybe just to feel his presence. You've been praying for something big and I pray that he grants that for you. But I also want to remind you on this Christmas that our God, his power so often starts in small strokes of light. So be looking for those. Be looking for those strokes of light where God is already at work. Surround yourself with people who can help point out where God is already at work. Because as we do that, our eyes get adjusted and we begin to see all the places that God is working. All right, now I want to say one more thing about light. Uh, as I do this, I'm going to invite the, the worship band and the, uh, the praise team and Zach. I guess Zach can come up here too. Um, if y'all would get ready. I'm going to invite a couple other people. They don't know I'm doing this and so they may not be very happy. Uh, Kate Stanlin, would you come up here, please, and bring your candle? I promise, it's nothing bad. Uh, who else over here? Uh, can I have a Jacob Wadlington? I'll take a Jacob with a candle. Uh, a Trey Jeffers, would you come? Blair, would you come? And bring your candles, bring your candles. Um, I have a gift for all of you. And I want to give you that gift. Yeah, hold on to that. I want to give you a, give you a gift. Um, in order to do that, though, if, if I could, could I have everybody stand? And then guys in the back, would y'all go ahead and bring the lights down? There we go. Let's get it dark in here. This will make my present better, okay? All right, I know it's dark but this will make my present better. Because here, here's my present. It's just a flame. It's just a light. I can't hold my hand any more steady than that, Jacob. We, we got a problem. All right, where's Kate? Come on. My gift to you, Kate. All right, over here. Just like God has given us the gift of the light of his son, I am giving the four of you this gift of light. Uh, and here's the deal. I want you to carefully, in just a moment, go back to your seat, very carefully, please. Um, and with this light, light, you can do whatever you want to, within reason, Trey. Um, I want you to do what you think is right with this light that I'm giving you, okay? So go ahead and head back. Let's give them a round of applause. Thank you all for being part of this. Very carefully, John, can you help them off over there? Blair's gonna head that way. This is what God does. In the Gospel of John, John says that the one who brings the light gives the light to everyone. He's given us this light, and he's given us the choice of what to do with it. And our friends here, what are they doing? They're giving it to other people. And you say, it's a candlelight service, Jason. They knew what they were supposed to do, and you're right. But deep down, we know what we're supposed to do with the light that Jesus has given us right? What a beautiful opportunity we have to be a community of people who pass light to each other and to, and to the world around us. We get to be the people. This is a gift that's given to us. We get to, get to be the people who tell others, yeah, there is a truth beyond the darkness that you see. 
And I don't know what you need to hear today from the story of Jesus. I don't know if you need to hear about God's presence with you or God's power over the darkness, but that is what this light represents. And may it find a place in your heart. And may we be thankful for the community that we've been given here in this room to be people of the light. And what I want you to do this week, tomorrow, it's Christmas, I want you to take a moment and ponder. Ponder what the story of Jesus's birth means in your life, in our world, in the life of your family. Pray about it, think about it, ponder it. That's what, what we want for you to do, but I wanna give you a head start right now. I saw a video yesterday with uh, Fred Rogers, Mr. Rogers, another PBS person. This one I remember, I saw it yesterday. Um, he was being interviewed and he said, in our busy world, in our noisy world, we don't give each other the gift of silence enough. And so we wanna give you the gift of silence for just a moment this morning. We wanna give you a few moments to simply reflect. Where have you seen the light of God in your life? Ponder that. And if that pondering leads to prayer, that's the best kind of pondering. I'm gonna start us in a prayer, then we're gonna have this moment of silence, and then we're gonna continue in our worship in this candlelit moment. Let's pray. Father, we feel so grateful that you have given us the gift of light. We feel so grateful that you have called us to be people of that light. Give us understanding and wisdom to know what that means. And in this moment of silence, Lord, I pray that you would speak through your spirit to the hearts of all of us here. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.